back. Um, this would be episode seven of the podcast. And today I'm with Rebecca Ashley, a really, really talented artist and a friend of mine. Um, I've got some tattoos from her. She actually broke me off pretty nasty that time. <laughs> um, yeah, you were hating life. Oh, uh, that hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think we were just talking. I think we met around late 2014 after I had moved out here to Colorado. I think I got here in April of 14. Oh, late 20... Or, or early or, 2014. Yeah, yeah. Or it could have been, could have been, because I was out here doing recon before I moved out, and I know I met you around in there at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, uh, I want people to know about you, so can we go all the way back to where you grew up and what that was like? Sure. Um, grew up in the, in the middle of nowhere in the country in Connecticut. What was the nearest, like, major city? Oh, this city called, well, there was Hebron, but that was also pretty tiny. But then there was Willimantic. That was a little more of a, I guess, more of a metropolis. Yeah, just if my... people know Connecticut, I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd probably say Willimantic. Okay. Would probably be the closest. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to give up your age, but what years <laughs> was that that you were living there in Connecticut? <laughs> I'll give up my age. That's fine. <laughs> I, you know, those things I don't oh, like to ask women so much. 84 to... Okay, 80s. Fuck, 90. I can't remember when I moved to, to Georgia. I got to do math now. Probably probably like 95 okay. I left. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. so you, you spent your whole childhood there? For sure. Okay. You yeah. go to public school there? Uh, I went to public school at first, and it was a really tiny public school. Like probably, let I don't know, maybe 20 kids. Mm-hmm in my grade and then went wow. to a private catholic school in willimantic oh catholic school yeah I've, I've, I've <laughs> but only a couple years a, a few people that went to catholic school yeah I, I grew up catholic too i did catholic summer school but not like regular school that's that's cool did you did uh you have any interest in art as a a little kid oh yeah yeah, yeah. i was drawing all, i was either drawing or outside and not much has changed because i'm either drawing or reading or outside. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you still grew up uh, pre-internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm. I think that was the thing with us pre-internet. Like we, we played outside and <laughs> you know messed with bugs and. Yeah, and I had zero interest in TV, and we grew up by a lake too, so it'd be out by the lake and be ice skating whenever it was frozen in the winter time, and piss off the ice fishermen and. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did that in upstate New York as a little kid myself. Yeah. Go ice skating on the ponds. And I remember falling in as a little guy. Oh, the man. Ice was too thin. And <laughs> terrified my parents. But I never did that. I think about that now. Yeah. But that never happened when I was a kid. That's we'd good. go sledding. That's good. Like the, the, <laughs> the beach was on an incline. Uh-huh. So we'd go sledding down the incline and hit the ice and just. Keep go. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What kind of stuff were you drawing back then? I was obsessed with dragons. Dragons. Mm-hmm. Okay. What were you looking at? Nothing. You were just draw- drawing dragons out of your head? Yeah. Had you seen movies with dragons? How did you even know what a dragon looked oh. like? That's kind of what I'm asking. Yeah, I don't know. Like a Chinese uh, restaurant menu or a... 
Probably. Did you see any? We of didn't those really movies? go out to eat much like though. The dragon movies in the eighties, like Dragon Slayer. Never ending story. Never ending story. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that counts. Mm-hmm. That big white. Weird... Yeah, Falcor. <laughs> <laughs> you know the name. That's oh yeah, awesome. that was my favorite. Yeah, I remember. I fucking that love too. that movie. I remember that too. So dragons. Were you working in color? Uh, no. It was mostly graphite, Just and it was like epic battle scenes and. Oh, yeah, okay. especially in the wintertime when it was too cold to go out. I'd fight right. with the dog to yeah. sit in front of the fireplace and yeah. just post up and draw. But a lot of dragons. Did you play Dungeons and Dragons? No. Did you know anybody that did? Because you were Not you then. Been little. Because yeah. I think I started playing Dungeons and Dragons in like 82 or 3. No, not then. I didn't yeah, really thing. You have tiny. a lot of friends. Yeah. So it's <laughs> <laughs> just sticks. outside or nothing. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, cool. So yeah. then you say you ended up in, uh, where did you go from there, Georgia? Yeah. When did you end up in Georgia? When I was 13. So I think, I can't math that, but probably 95, cool. I think. Around sure. 95. So you were 13 and you made yeah. a big move. Where did you end up in Georgia? Uh, a suburb outside of Atlanta called oh. Alpharetta. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And so, so you were, did you go to like uh, high school there? Yeah. So then I went to, I'd finished my, we left when I was halfway through eighth grade, which okay. was a trip because that's when they were teaching the Civil War. So first semester I learned about the Civil War up north and then moved, learned about the civil war down south second semester of eighth oh, grade which is <laughs> crazy because they were totally different i think that's a uh, big uh big thing yeah huh makes me think about so 1984 and just your even perspective on, on yeah. news and information well, you know, and everything i would want to think that the education system is consistent <laughs> i would their, too but it wasn't on that <laughs> that they're putting across but i think americans need to know that that no i mean you're what you're learning is definitely biased by who's teaching you yeah and, and even then where you're at you and know? that was a hot minute ago sure so that was shit that was over 20 years ago how did you process so. that as a kid um, I don't think I really knew how to process it because I was pretty shell shocked going from a, a super small school to a giant public school and oh, okay. trying to fit in in eighth grade and going from wearing uniforms to not knowing how to dress at all right. in eighth grade. So I think I was more concerned about that yeah. than, <laughs> than what no, I was actually a big learning. Yeah, I, it, it was the same for me moving from upstate New York where it was a little town and we moved to Albuquerque and it was a bigger city and it was an incredible culture shock to mm-hmm. me. You know, it was a lot of things I'd never come across in New York that <clears throat> I had to deal with on a daily basis in New Mexico. Like yeah. just fist fighting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was a big, big, tra- a big change, you know, in my life. I got to imagine that must've been pretty shocking for you to, Go yeah. from Connecticut to Georgia as a kid. <laughs> it was definitely a culture shock. Do you and feel I mean, like you got a good education in Georgia? Um, I Decent? think so. Yeah. For public school? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because you were going to public school then. Yeah, and then even right. in high school, I was like in the advanced placement and, and honors. And then the I last year, they had that, that option to do college courses. I only had like, needed one credit to graduate. So I just took a bunch of online oh. college courses the last year too. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had a no, lot of I really good too. teachers. I had some advanced placement courses, so I didn't have to take the 101 level college courses when I mm-hmm. got there. That I'd already been taken care of in high school. So, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. Seems like you had the opportunities. Did you end up going to college? Um, I took time off, and then I really didn't want to go to college. I was supposed to go to college originally, going back to Connecticut to the University of New Haven for forensics. Interesting. Um, and had pretty much a free ride from, like, doing essays and all that crap. Yeah. But then didn't want to go to school, so... Um, I wanted to pursue tattooing because I wanted to do art and travel, but my dad was like, you need the college experience. So he offered to pay for my first year of college. So I went to the Atlanta College of Art when it was still around, went for a semester and was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that happens to a lot of people that are already artists though. Yeah. When you go to school and you're just like, well, fuck, I'm already doing this at home. Like what I'm. What am I really going to get out of this? Yeah, and you have to play a game. Like, you have to placate the teachers and what they want. And if it doesn't fit their criteria, then it's not considered their form of artwork, which I think is bullshit. If you go outside of the box, which you're supposed to do with art anyway, (laughs) then you're you're reprimanded for it. So Yeah. Well, and you already had interest in tattooing. Yeah. And tattooing, you're not really going to learn in college. No. And even the tattoo schools, I think, are pretty bogus. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like the ones in Oregon. Those are the only ones I know of. But. Well, isn't it required in Oregon to go to the school? Uh, I don't think it's... Oh, gosh. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to start off with. I just know that they brought those up as a to try and keep people out, and then it became sort of a requirement to get your permits unless you move from out of state. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they yeah, still do know. traditional stuff. I got to get somebody from Oregon State, on the podcast yeah, I don't know. give us the details on that. Because I know it is definitely a lot different than how tattooing as a business is run in the rest of the country. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah. Huh. That's that's cool. So, let's say, when did, when did you get your first tattoo? 18. Yourself? At 18. Yeah. Most right out, right out the gates. Well, in Albuquerque, yep. motherfuckers were getting tattooed at like 13 yeah. in people's garages and shit. You know? <laughs> I covered up a lot of that kind of stuff on Friends. But uh, w- what was the your first experience getting a tattoo? Um, it was it was all right. I mean, the guy the guy was pretty salty, but I. I Looking back, I, I understand why he was salty, because immediately I was like, I want to get into tattooing, and wanted to talk about apprenticing, and he's, you know, from somebody who's been doing it a while, like, oh god, here's a fucking another one. And, uh. oh, I think that's really important <laughs> for young people that are wanting to tattoo to hear. Mm-hmm. Like, there's good ways and bad ways to kind of approach the whole deal. For sure, and I didn't have a portfolio. I, did, I, I didn't know any better. I was 18. You, I just knew I wanted to You were getting your first tattoo, even. <laughs> totally. And you're already talking about making tattoos. Uh-huh. And what so, year was that? Uh, god, I gotta do math again. Yeah. No, because <laughs> it really puts a place and time on yeah. things, you know? Let's see. Well, I'm going to cheat. No, you got to write it down. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. No, I'm going to do this. No, just because, you know, you were 18 and you walk into a tattoo shop and you're like, oh, did you have a design? Yeah, I got an Ouroboros. I got an oh, Ouroboros damn. based off okay. of uh, the cool Souls design. at Zero album yeah. by Neurosis. Yeah. Because yeah. I was obsessed with Neurosis okay. and still am obsessed with Neurosis. Sure. So. No, I think a lot of yeah. people uh, start with uh, logos from bands that they like. Yeah. Because you know, it is this like, no, I can say 
without question, Metallica's my favorite. I'm going to get a Metallica tattoo. I'll be stoked to wear that until I'm dead, you know. Also, that was 2002. So, okay. So 2001, 2002. 2002. Yeah. Okay. Well, that helps me kind of place things, too. And it, had to been, in... it had to have been 01 because I was still in high school. Okay. Yeah. And it was, how did you know about the, the shop or the artist? I don't even remember. I might have, I might have been recommended to go there. I went to Psycho Tattoo. Mm. Uh, That's a good name. Yeah. It was a well, it was also a well-known shop in Georgia. There were a couple of them. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I just went there. Yeah. So. You just knew it. I can't even remember. How big was it? How? How big is it? Is it I'm, I'm assuming it's still It's around it. my ankle. Oh, yeah. I still have it. Oh, ankle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had, I had been wanting it since I was 16, so I sat on you it for it. a couple. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I liked the symbolism of the Ouroboros, and then also... I do, too. You know, the, what Neurosis was singing about and putting out in their albums and everything. So sure. it was there was a lot of resonance going on with that symbol. Well, yeah. I mean, I was working at, I believe, Everlasting in 2001 or two in san francisco and we played neurosis and i had mm-hmm. there were a lot of neurosis shows in warehouses and stuff in oakland i remember back then I had a lot of friends that were really into them i yeah. feel like they really influenced the, like a whole genre yeah of, they of influenced my artwork you know? a lot how so uh just that kind of more dark ethereal subject matter i feel like Oh, because I was also getting into occultism in high school and stayed up. Was that something? No, they on my up own. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think they'd bring that up. In no, school. fuck no. They don't. They don't talk about Crowley or anything <laughs> like that in school. They do not. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then would stay up. I had I had insomnia too, uh, so I would stay up and listen to the college radio station, and they had a metal show on Mondays. Mm. And that's how I found out about neurosis and ministry and all these bands. Um, but I think just the feeling that I get from that particular band just it tapped into and woke up a lot of things inside of me that highly influenced my artwork. So I can't really describe yeah. it because it's more of a feel thing and not a tangible. I understand completely. Yeah. The music definitely has more of an emotional impact on me. And mm-hmm. it comes through in certain ways, but it might be. Uh, subliminal yeah or, or like a subtext to the drawing or whatever yeah you know? but yeah no I, I can definitely feel that like even as a graffiti writer th- there were there's particular styles that I did for a few years that were very much influenced by a particular music style you know it was like I had my hip-hop years I had my jungle years <laughs> I had my rave years you know what I mean but I totally get what you're saying I've just and had a long expanse of metal and black metal. <laughs> there's sure. not been, there's not been much much strictly metal. Uh, mostly, mostly <laughs> a, a steady diet of of metal. <laughs> that's, that's dope though. Like I, I love metal. I, I still get uh, excited by new metal. Yeah. You know, I just discovered uh, a drummer just yesterday, and is in uh, two bands, and I listened to their stuff on Instagram, but I plugged it into the stereo so I could really hear it. And, fucking shit impress me mm-hmm. you know there's still some uh some pretty radical shit out there oh but yeah there's a I lot lo- of great stuff and it's funny too because i love being now 47 and when the subject of metal comes up i can bring up all kinds of bands that i remember from the 90s or whatever that nobody's heard of you know it's like it missed uh like the, the younger people that come to art night or whatever mm-hmm. you know and i'll mention have you heard of this or this or this and i haven't heard of any of that stuff you know because they just know the new metal 
you know, but it does have this lineage. Where do you think heavy metal started? I mean, a lot of people put it with Led Zeppelin. Oh, no. I <laughs> I feel like Russian composers, ah, like classical. Interesting. Because well, a lot of, I mean, especially black metal, a lot of it translates directly over to, to classical composition. You're absolutely right. And, I think uh, that's a definitive thing of, of black metal in particular. Yeah, but I think Mazorsky's yeah. Night on Bald Mountain is one of the most metal songs I've ever heard. And I think uh, that's what started my love of metal is listening to records uh, at I my see. like my dad had a lot of records uh, but yeah i think classical did it for me i was obsessed with phantom of the opera like all that stuff feeling growing that up. way as a kid when i heard wagner mm-hmm. you yeah know, it was like <laughs> these epic it's almost like bands like yes kind of and even jethro tull kind of oh god <laughs> i like, love jethro tull <laughs> oh me too me too but that's the thing it's like it is that's interesting that you take it even further back do you like that kind of uh, orchestral metal? Isn't that a whole style? Yeah, I do like some, like Apocalyptica and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. There's no, a I'm a sucker shop, for cellos. Uh, in San Francisco, I always go to when I'm there, and the, the the same dude's been working there for years, and he's always listening to that music. And yeah, it's, and I I just I love it. You know, it's so neat. But I never know the names of the the bands or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So how did then the, the evolution of tattoos happen for you? You got your Ouroboros around your ankle, and then did you just start going crazy? Uh, no. It was a, <laughs> it was a slow progression, and it, honestly, the I think the next three tattoos that I end up getting are now covered up. <laughs> oh, no, sure, that's why yeah. I asked you about the Ouroboros. But the first I mean, one. the first ones often end up getting covered no, up. No, the first later. one's there to stay for sure. Yeah, I'm never getting cool. rid of that one. Good. That's um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't really get that many after that. I think mostly, you know, finances and sure. and whatnot. Well, that's always a huge yeah. concern. So, what, what, how about your interest in making tattoos? Did you kind of put that on hold, or did you just seek alternative avenues? No, I I feel like I must have gotten advice, and I probably got advice from that guy. But I can't remember <laughs> at sure. all. Sure. Um, just about building up a portfolio and then going and talking to people and trying to figure it out from there. So that's what I did. I did a lot of more realistic black and gray, like gra- graphite drawings, just looking at pictures and or still lives or stuff like that and just ran with it and did a lot of pen and inks and built things up from there but i never looked at tattoos i never looked at tattooing i was mostly it's probably smart interested in (laughs) illustration yeah i didn't even think to look at tattooing which is kind of weird i guess but it's a different time though yeah i think that well there was no i mean if you're coming into tattooing at 2002 let's say like man yeah it's it's not just sailor jerry yeah and there's there's no you know what i mean internet to look up stuff like i had no point of reference yeah and i was, was super like shy too. <laughs> you know we were just kind of in our little local hole and you just you're you know how you learn yeah. things was in that and then the internet came and it just expanded tremendous oh i know I, i'm kind of jealous of people starting now because i'm like fuck you have everything <laughs> like everything literally at your fingertips <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, all the information and, and equipment that we wanted right off the bat mm-hmm. that we couldn't get. Yeah, now I think it's readily available. Yeah. I think even just listening to podcasts like this, if you're just listening with a keen ear, you, you know, you can pick up a lot of stuff that we just missed. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> just fumble through. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So when did uh, when did you end up starting? When I was to twenty. Make tattoos. Well, okay, I started so apprenticing when I was twenty. Okay. And I started making tattoos. 22 21 22 so describe your apprenticeship how did you actually (laughs) how did that how did you get your foot in the door it took me over a year of talking to various different shops trying to get in oh god dozen more than that okay so you were a lot you were hitting it yeah i was i was working at different jobs i was working at pearl art supply and i was working at whole foods that's the double hookup (laughs) oh shit groceries and art supplies smart girl (laughs) living living in a warehouse yeah wow 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 Wow. that yeah yeah it's so smart yeah i didn't want to pay for for things hear hear the gospel i worked at whole foods and pearl Bam. Yep. <laughs> you're good. Rode a bicycle wow. everywhere. And you're the hookup for any of your friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. And Pearl Art Supply, they oh didn't give God. a fuck. Like the one no. in, in Atlanta, they yeah. there was five finger discounts all day. Nah, same in it the one ridiculous. in New York. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I lived in New York. It's probably why, it's probably why they went out of business. <laughs> Pearl Art Supply part of it. Actually, San Francisco, too, was a oh. super rack. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. All right, so... So, yeah, so you had things really kind of hooked up. Yeah, but I was hitting shops all the time while I was working those two jobs. And then finally, um, a friend of a friend, she was getting heavily tattooed by this guy and mentioned that he was looking for apprentices. And then that was it. Cool. And what was, uh, what do you think his intentions were in taking on apprentices? (laughs) I mean, were, you know... I'll just okay. I'll, I'll just say, um, an apprenticeship to me was given by someone who had a shop, and the deal was you clean the shop, do things, you learn everything you need to about the shop over the course of a year, and after that year you can start tattooing. Mm-hmm. You know, but the whole thing was is that the shop owner was making an investment in a person who was then going to give fifty percent of their earnings to you, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say that's the basic form, the old school form. For sure. But now, who the hell knows knows? how it goes down, why people want apprentices, the whole thing. And that's why I ask. Yeah, I, well, him in particular, he doesn't have a very savory reputation as a person in general. And I'm not going to name names or go into things, but I... Uh, I his his I don't think his intentions of having an apprentice were anything like that because he never did anything with me. I basically just had to try and talk to some of the other artists there. I think I was just uh, free labor that had to pay for my apprenticeship. Sure. Well, again, that happens a lot. Yeah, too. And for that's sure. Actually old school too. Yeah. I mean, definitely. You know, it wasn't unheard of to have to pay a few grand. Yeah. You know, once the person had already agreed to teach it. For and sure. It's like, listen, if you're gonna if you're serious about this, I need two grand right now, and then I'll set you up with the stuff though. Yeah. You know. Which I paid. Yeah. Um, but this guy in particular, the way his personality was set up, he wanted more than that, if you yeah. can catch my drift. Oh, absolutely. Um, so that's why I learned from other people in the shop and I wish that I 
had one guy's information still, but because he helped out a lot. He gave me uh, a battery, like a 9-volt battery, and told me to try and make a charge out of it to begin to start putting together a machine. And then he gave me a machine that was completely uh, taken apart, said to put it together to try and make it run and work. And I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but he helped exponentially well, that's what happened to me too though, yeah when uh nala agreed to teach me he yeah. gave me a machine that was in pieces and i was like see if you can get this together and bring it back to me and we'll see if it's right you yeah know? but cool. that that guy i still i still think about him yeah um he was fucking awesome and there were a handful of other people there that were really great that i still talk to sure every once in a while sure. um but that was my first apprentice <laughs> because i left that shop yeah uh but because... again i think that's you know that, that's another thing people need to hear. You were hungry for it. Mm-hmm. They knew it. He's a shady guy. Yeah, for sure. He thinks, oh, I might be able to get some action on the side from this chick. Teachers and stuff, <laughs> right? But that, For sure. But, but that's real. But that was normal. That's Well, it's, and also it's just, you know, people are shady sometimes and whatnot. Yeah. And they'll take advantage of people, you know. But so... You ended up bouncing from that situation, but you can see you did actually learn a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I learned how not to be. I learned how not to be egotistical. The huge lesson. Yes. I tell that to people all the time. Watch what other people are doing and learn what not to do. Yeah. Just as much as you're trying to see the things are doing right and repeat that. So I do feel like, and not just in, in that apprenticeship, but the second one, and I feel like in apprenticeships in general... A huge thing that needs to be driven into somebody's skull is humility. And that is what I definitely learned in that first apprenticeship because they tore me down on a daily basis. And at the time it was rough, but in hindsight, that is such an invaluable experience because it, it just seeing what it, seeing somebody operate on such a high egocentric narcissistic level. Yeah. And then coming out of it, trying to remain humble and everything is huge. And I think nowadays that might be a kind of a missed opportunity of sorts. Just things are a little bit different now. But I mean, even though that apprenticeship was brutal, um, that's that's the biggest takeaway from that, I feel like. Yeah. So that's cool. Not just from a tattoo standpoint, but from a, a personal standpoint too. Well, sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where did you end up after that? Um, I ended up at another shop down by Atlanta Motor Speedway. Okay. <laughs> Atlanta Motor Speedway. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and that guy, the owner of that shop, was super. He's such a nice guy. But uh, he taught me how to make needles, and I would make needles for him, and. Um, how Which to mix I, pigment. I suppose at that point you didn't need to do per se because needles were easily accessible. Yeah, they were being and pre-made cheap. and stuff, but, but yeah, you could buy them pre-made. For whoever taught you, you should learn how to make these. For sure. In the yeah. first couple years of tattooing, because I was, you know, broke and still working at Whole Foods, so like still working another job to try and sustain uh, the tattooing, um, I would make my own needles and still conti- would continue to do that sure so sure yeah save, i mean it saves a ton of money <laughs> yeah it does that's cool. <laughs> that's cool would you save the the bars and autoclave mm-hmm. them and then reuse them yeah 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 no that's the thing you know i don't know 
I can't imagine many people are making needles anymore. No. You know? I mean... You'd get uh, all suited up to, like, solder off the, the needles that were already used and yeah, then autoclave the, the, the bars uh, and then re-solder absolutely. needle now, configurations. Even when I was uh, getting needles made in the Bay Area back in the day, I would autoclave the bars. I would clean them up as good as I could and give them back to them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's some tattoo talk. People probably don't know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> that's cool. So just uh, kind of smiling and nodding. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> how long did you end up at the second spot? Um, I know at the first spot I was there for nine months, and I think at okay. the second spot I was there probably around the same amount of time. Cool. And I started tattooing there, and then a friend of mine that had been wanting to apprentice me, hmm. um, he found out that I started tattooing and was like, hey, come up to Atlanta and start tattooing here. And that was, I was only, I had only been tattooing for three months. And he's like, no, tell the owner you've been tattooing a couple of years. Like, just come on up. I'm like, yeah. okay. Cause I was living in Atlanta. So I was yeah. commuting. Yeah. Um, cool. So that was yeah. better. Well, and I think that's also what happens too. You get part of the community and people look out for each other and are like, for sure. Oh, we got to get you in a better situation. I've had, people pull me out of terrible situations many times like that not even in tattooing they're yeah. just like bro you can't be working at this adult bookstore i'm working my computer <laughs> firm and i'm like yes i will do this yes yes so what kind of stuff were you learning you know i mean by at the at the second spot because you by then you were tattooing you're mm-hmm. saying um were you, you know did you go right into color work did you just do black work you know, no. Were you doing flash? He had me do everything. Good. Like everything. And I had friends that wanted to get pieces and they wanted larger pieces too. I was like, I don't feel comfortable. And, and this guy's like, oh no, it's cool. I'm like, okay. It um, is. So. You can, I mean, that's the thing. It's still an inch at a time as far as yeah. I'm concerned, whether it's big or small. You still got to just sit there and work on it. Totally. And, and my friends you know trusted me. So. Yeah. But I was doing it all. Color, black work, all of it. And that would have been like 2003 or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I've been tattooing for, it was 12 years in August. Okay. So. Yeah, that's the thing. That, like the whole world of subject matter was much larger by then versus yeah. the 90s. Yeah. You know, what people would come into the shop with. You yeah, know. especially friends. They're like, I want this tool logo or I want sure. this. And it's uh-huh. like, oh, okay. But I cool. think that's the that's the time when you need to be doing everything mm-hmm. you know because i think in the end it's just skin time and you've got to learn how different people everybody's got different skin you know um some of the i have some friends locally here that have only been tattooing for less than a year and the stretching is the thing that they're having <laughs> Dude, the hardest time yeah with. it's like <laughs> if you can get a good tattoo in on a spot that's easy to stretch but somebody comes in and wants one on the back of their arm or the rib cage or or that weird squishy area between your hip and your rib cage love handles Uh yeah yeah it's just so difficult you know it's such a a humbling thing you know yeah totally so what was the evolution of things in atlanta as far as as far as work and stuff like how how long were you there i wasn't at holy mother for very long okay um the first five years of my career, like including apprenticeship, were pretty. I almost quit multiple times, just because of 
drama. Like, got fired from Holy Mother because of drama. So then I hit like the road. Drama, like kind of shit. Like the shit we see on TV where, you know, guy, like people are dating each other in the shop. No, the shop owner like, was a was a, a pill head. It's actually a really sad story because she's was like, huge, she was Maybe so talented and just like pissed her life away. Um, but she was just strung out on pills all the time and she had asked me a question but it was one of her long like diatribes and i didn't yeah. realize there was a question in there so yeah. i didn't say anything yeah she's like i asked you a question i'm like oh i didn't realize i thought that was a long statement and i got fired uh, also because i think i was a chick and she'd well and that's the thing the tattoo yeah. world it's just as privy to bullshit as any job I oh suppose, for sure even more so i think it's more so it's a bunch well, of adult children exactly well it's it's people that can't survive in the nine to five world yeah so to speak and you know tattooing is there to catch you you know it's like no we got you you could be an <laughs> asshole and people will come if you do good work yeah i think people assume that their tattoo artist might be a dick going in you know what i mean i think if you're not you get a lot more clients and a lot more return. <laughs> you know? For sure. I think so. You know, especially now when there's so many choices. You can, yeah. You know. So many choices and a lot of people are very sensitive now too. So. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. So, I mean, I'm assuming you were continuing to get tattooed as you could mm-hmm. during that time. Were you kind yeah. of reinvesting? Yeah. Were you traveling to get tattooed then? Or were you still just staying local and trying to see the best people or whatever? What no, was your... I was I was traveling because I went and got my left sleeve done. I drove up to uh, Maryland to get that done by Todd Noble because I had been looking at his stuff. Todd's and really amazing. liked Yeah, really yeah. liked his stuff. And still didn't know so you just, you... anything about... <clears throat> anybody had you did you have any uh sizable work like a full sleeve at that point was that no that that was was the first one i want you to do my whole sleeve yeah wow and how did you go about doing that was it multiple trips back and forth yeah i did three trips three trips for a sleeve yeah wow that's cool were you getting tattooed day after day we did those trips we did the outline in one trip the second trip we did 14 hours in two days Okay. Um, and then the last trip, it was just one long day. And the last trip was actually in San Jose for a convention. Oh. Um, That's cool. Yeah. I, I went, The few times I did conventions, I loved it when I would see somebody that I needed to finish something up on. Yeah. And I didn't really have to deal with the general public at the convention at all. For it sure. It was just like, head down, go to work. This is somebody I know. This is a project I want to finish. Awesome. So be it in this damn convention hall. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only way I'll do conventions now. I'm like, sure. appointments? Cool. Uh, mostly because yeah. I'm still super shy and weird about talking to people. So so to me, getting a sleeve done in... How many sessions would it have been? Four, I guess it technically five? four. Four. Because it was outline and then the two-day session yeah. and then the last session. That just sounds so fast. Yeah, <laughs> it just, you, you know, I'm, you know, and uh, that wouldn't have even been something I could have conceived of in the '90s. G- you know, like getting tattooed a whole sleeve. 
That's rad, though. I think that was just kind of part of my personality, though, too, because I had to drive well, I know twelve that hours is and you like. Continue to get tattooed like that. I just yeah. know from us talking. I mean, we'll get into that, uh, but like. Yeah, that was another that one a, I saved for save space for. Is that is that like a, is that something you would recommend to young people as an approach to tackle a sleeve in that way? Um. If you have the financial means and your body can handle that, then why not? I mean, sure. I'll offer that. I'll offer that for out of state people. Yeah. Just so that they get kind of their trips worth, you know. If but only if they can, because some people can only sit for a couple hours. So nah. then, yeah, you're right. You just whittle away at it, whatever. Um, yeah, diff- yeah, different folks can handle different things. I yeah, I mean, but some I, people can just sit there. As the tattooer, sometimes I worry about the size of a wound that you're putting on yeah. somebody and the strain on their immune system. Same. And so if you crush them for six hours and then they come <laughs> back the next day and you hit them again right next to it. Whew, Especially as rough. somebody who's gone through it. I'm like, that's mm. really, well, right. You have compassion for people because uh-huh. you've done that. I've sat at the longest, I think, for six, six, six and a half hours on the my like right calf i Mm -hmm. think you know so i imagine you must be doing sessions like that yeah six seven hours yeah because i'll definitely have out of staters they'll book a day and then i try to recommend a a day off in between Uh appointments just to kind of recalibrate and settle in and then come in for day two sure sure and then you do that yourself i mean you've yeah so i mean so you got the sleeve from Todd Noble. Did you learn a lot from watching Todd work? For sure. And talking with him and everything and watching how he did color work and composition stuff too. Like how yeah. he lays out his sleeves. I still use that to lay out my yeah. pieces. Because it, yeah. it was in sections and I didn't even think of that before getting tattooed by him. Because he laid out the ravens and then the peonies and then would draw in there. And I'm like, oh, you can do that? And he's like, oh, yeah, it flows better. And I'm like, oh, man, it was a total game changer. Well, and that's what I say is the education. For sure. Tattooing. Like, you have to go to the good people and and really watch. Yeah, get tattooed by people you, you admire. Yeah, and I think that's also part of getting something sizable from someone. You're going to have to go back and see them, so you're going to build a relationship. (laughs) So maybe by the fourth or fifth session, they're giving away their secrets Mm -hmm. just because you're homies, and you're just like, no, no, you should should do this. Yeah. That's that's rad. So what was the evolution of, say, your client work yourself? I mean... It seems like you're doing a lot of black work nowadays. Yeah. But obviously, you know, you know how to do everything. Um, you know, how, when did that kind of spark off, like a, the specialty kind of thing? Well, I, I kept up with illustrative stuff for a while, which was kind of my specialty, just doing highly illustrative pieces because I came from an illustration sure. background. That's just how sure. I've always drawn. Yeah. Um, and did a lot of cover-ups and bigger pieces and stuff like that. But I didn't start doing the black work stuff until I finally got tattooed by Thomas Hooper. Okay. And that changed <clears throat> that changed the course of... That changed everything, really. And I had waited... You know, you're not the only person I've heard to say, yeah, yeah, getting tattooed by Thomas Hooper changed the course of my life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a heavy dude, and he does some pretty heavy work. Yeah. I had found out about him through a client of mine, and I was like, oh, this guy's stuff is dope. And I still had a lot of space. Like, I had from my knees up, front and back, open, Mm -hmm. and I knew that I wanted to get my hands done. So I had contacted him about doing my hands and about doing a large back piece which turned into a bodysuit basically <laughs> but yeah. um and he said that he wasn't taking clients and I think I waited a good two to three years and then he got back to me and asked if I was still interested in doing the bigger piece and I was like fuck yeah and actually if you want to do more yeah. that's fine and I got my hands done on my five-year it's either five-year six-year I think it was my five-year anniversary tattooing oh, might have been six cool but, you got your hand done. Yeah. yeah. And then that's the when he... stopper, they call yeah. it. Yeah. And that's when he told me about, you know, how to... Showed me how to do dot work and the rotaries. And I was like, oh, shit. What? <laughs> and then started experimenting on clients and friends that right. were willing. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Again, watching someone work. You, yeah. You, you might assume with the pointillist work, right? Dot work. Mm-hmm. They might... Whatever you want to call it. It's just somebody putting individual dots which some people do which is fine but (laughs) but then there's this other way where you just slow the rotary machine down to a tempo that feels comfortable and you kind of like uh scrub it in and almost like you're shading with it yeah and it makes distinct individual it was so (laughs) counterintuitive sure but but i remember when that was first described to me that it's actually a slow moving rotary Mm -hmm. it builds up the 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 shading effect of that of dot work yeah in some cases and even the depth it was like wow that's that makes perfect sense yeah yeah it was no, no. it was mind-blowing i didn't know i didn't but you still had know to see about, somebody do it yeah because i didn't know about rotaries i didn't know about and what year was that any of that stuff well, it was probably my five or six year tattooing and now i'm doing math again Seven, 2007 <laughs> 2000. around there oh seven eight yeah okay but then that then i started doing that's when i started doing the the dot work and then i did that strictly for probably three or four years maybe longer and then when i started doing more color illustrative stuff again uh, the clientele was hungry for that work and just didn't know where to go yeah i think so it was like game on so i was like pigeonholed into that and then when i started going back to doing illustrative and color work on people people were like wait you do color like yeah (laughs) that's what i started doing oh sure yeah oh sure i think a lot of people are that way where they they think oh this is all he's ever done yeah and you also hear that on the flip side i guess from people who specialize in a particular style and have millions of followers on instagram and would actually like to do other things would yeah. like to try japanese or whatever you i know? get bored and they're stuck <laughs> doing this same thing you know what i mean and mm-hmm. it can be so frustrating especially if you're being overwhelmed with clients yeah you know but that's cool i think but i think again that shows in your tattooing you know i think a lot of the pattern work stuff it doesn't fit the body very well it doesn't work with the muscles very well and i feel like your stuff is placed really cool like it yeah you gotta it's dynamic when it moves throw it in there like i try to even doing mandala stuff try to put them on have the ones that are in the foreground on the 
on the main focal points like if it's right. on an arm on the arm and then place the other one so that it still flows with that inner spiral of the arm and yeah. then with the pattern stuff do the same thing or if there's a yeah. negative space line not like not kind of like a wind bar but not really but no, I know. Just, you know, just I to create exactly that separation. <laughs> yeah. But still to go with the flow of it instead of just like, like sticking right. them right. haphazardly okay. everywhere. Yeah. There's still got to be a, a, a method to the madness. Sure. So let's say you start getting tattooed by Thomas around 2007 or 8. Mm-hmm. And how much did you end up doing? I mean, how big did that tattoo end up uh being. Well, we did my hands first, and then to start... Did you talk about the big piece? Oh, yeah. Okay. To start that, we started with my chest piece. Okay. And that... But that didn't happen until later. That didn't happen until probably 2011 or 2012. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And then... No, no, it was before then. I just knew there was a break around 2013, because yeah. shit okay. got crazy. Okay. But, um... Yeah, and then it just exploded from there. I wasn't thinking of doing my stomach, but then the chest piece turned into a whole front piece, mm-hmm. and then the back piece turned into from my knees up, and then basically, well, not basically, but my entire left thigh. So, I mean, it's huge, extensive. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got much space left nope. on your body? <laughs> no, that really took it out. Yeah, I think I have two spaces left that are mm-hmm. as big as or smaller than my hand yeah okay. like maybe palm size sure. but that's about it yeah so how many times did you go back and forth to see thomas oh gosh a bunch a dozen yeah probably at least because we it, it the project so. was <laughs> yeah the project was at least five years a five-year project yeah so wow and i would sit for we'd book two to three days a trip again that's your style <laughs> yeah yeah because i just wanted to fly in get it done smash get in it. get out and you're healthy yeah but my immune system took it it took it no i know took that a toll for sure having like uh you know god even some of those four hour sessions on my rib cage oh. <laughs> i would just be sick for two or three days afterwards yeah you just feel like you have the flu just awful Ugh. yeah 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 immune system's just shot yep yeah wow that's cool. So, so for five years. All right. So you had most of that all done by the time you moved up here to Colorado, I would imagine. No, a lot of that was in the right past. The, end? A, the past oh, couple years, we okay. really jammed out on it and finished oh, in October. Okay. Because there was definitely a lull after we started my chest. Ah. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Um. Well, yeah. What, what ended up bringing you to Colorado? Outdoors. Didn't you have outdoors in Georgia? Yeah, but not like here. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference? I mean, growing up backpacking with my dad, like going back to Connecticut and going backpacking in New Hampshire and then hiking in Georgia and I don't know, hiking in Georgia and in the South wasn't as, to me, as epic and fulfilling as hiking up north in New England. Mm. Um, and then when I came out to and Colorado, you're a person that likes to hike. Oh yeah, always have. Serious. I, mean, I feel like that's the, <laughs> the joke on a lot of like social media things where a girl will be like, "My interests include 
old movies, <laughs> hiking, and it's just like, why does everybody put hiking? Like, yeah, or really? on the dating sites. Like hiking? Are you, are you <laughs> talking so about like a, a walk around <laughs> the, the the reservoir or something? Yeah, you know, yeah. in your local town, you know, <laughs> or but, camping but as like, car camping. You're a hiker. You're, yeah, you like to go out. off trail, and and yeah. it's always been like that. And then backpacking with topo maps and compasses to go off trail, like hardcore backpacking. Yeah, get away from fucking people <laughs> but yeah. you just feel more comfortable away from people oh god yeah well it, not just that but being out in the wilderness it just seems like it's the only sane place like it's away from all the digital static it's away from all the oh yeah all the uh interactions of of people like all the masks and yeah. playing off of each other and it just i don't know out there especially when you're backpacking the only thing that you have to focus on is putting one foot in front of the other and surviving right and that's it well and that's our our base as a species yeah (laughs) you're just going back to how we were which is probably why it feels so good yeah and right and comfortable that simplicity down in us yeah the the modern world is a recent thing in our evolutionary (laughs) history (laughs) it makes makes me shudder (laughs) Well, you, you know, it, yeah, that, that's that's just it. So it was just, you were thinking, man, if we lived in Boulder, I'd have the Rockies right outside mm-hmm. my door. That would be fun. Yeah. You know, more, you even probably, more epic wilderness. And where were you, say, in your career? You know, like, um, sorry. Oh, you're fine. Uh, yeah, where were you in your career at that point? I mean, were you pretty solid with yeah. clients and work? And- I was definitely established just from doing conventions and doing my East Coast tours and working in Atlanta. So, yeah, definitely but more established. But I suppose then too confident that you could up and move and start over in another place Yeah, with your skill set. And I would, and would have moved to Colorado a lot probably. sooner, mm. but... I wanted to continue to build up my career and nurture that first because I knew I would have to start over coming out here. Super smart move. So nurtured that, gave that life, and then was like, okay, I feel comfortable. I think I can do this. I met a couple guys at a convention that had a shop out here, came out, did a guest spot, and then that was it. Yeah. 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 That's rad. And is that still where you're tattooing? No. Oh, okay. That's cool. No, I think I think I'm like four or five shops removed now. Oh, right. That's, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's but I really cool. like where I'm at. So now. how how was the adjustment though, moving to a different state and having to start your clientele basically from scratch? Um. Did Instagram help you out at that point? There so was no speak? Instagram. There still wasn't. At no, that there point. wasn't Instagram, and I didn't have Facebook. So. Mm. Um. Honestly, I think it was fine. I think I was just more thrilled to be out here because I lived close to Lyons sure. and then ended up living in Lyons. So Lyons is cool. Kind of went back to that small town feel that I had growing up. So that felt comfortable. So that in and of itself, I uh, it's meant a, more it's to exactly me than... exactly the same for me. Yeah. In fact, my parents, when they first visited this property, noticed how similar it was to the property that I grew up on in upstate New York Yeah. with woods in the back and a big yard. And, you know, different buildings. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so similar. And that's totally how I feel here is like that comfort of it's like home. Yeah. You know, and it's it's taken me a while to feel that way about about it. But it's it's getting that way more and more. Yeah. So it was 
I think that was, I think it was all right. And I had been, I came out here a couple times prior to moving to do guest spots to try and build up clientele before again actually moving really really smart move. <laughs> so i already I had <laughs> especially somebody that wasn't using social media too like i yeah with doing tours well, and stuff I, I depended on word of now, mouth i mean if you've got <clears> a huge instagram following and your work is dope it don't matter where you go people are going to come to you you yeah. know what I mean? If you're if you're using that avenue, you know what I not, mean. Not not very well. But if you're <laughs> if you're not, you know. But again, it's it's certain people. Yeah. It's just like the, the the people that specialize in one thing and have millions of followers. It's just it's really nuts out there. Like I know. You know, like skill doesn't equal followers. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you, you know, and sometimes you know. It's like even the the people that tattoo tattooers are totally off the radar. Yeah. You know, and some of the best people in the world are totally off of that radar, you know? And I think that's really cool. In, yeah. In, in their own right, too, you know? I think for myself, because I have my hands in so many different kinds of mediums, it really helps me a lot, you know? For but sure. But I don't... I have always continued to tattoo i tattoo maybe twice a month but i never post those photos yeah but it's not like i fell off the face of the planet <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's funny like that you know no, it's just I'll i choose for... not to put that up there because i don't want people you know knocking down my door to, <laughs> to get tattooed you know it's a different thing for me now how that works you know well, I'm stoked to have tattoos from you. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and I'm really stoked on the ones that you gave me, too. You know? Same. I mean, I didn't have much space left on my body at all other than kind of the instep and the outside of both of my feet. And you tackled those. And I got to say, like, I'm glad we did dot work because it didn't seem as painful as kind of a traditional getting in there with a liner and digging it out with a shader mm -hmm. i was thankful for that but it still hurts <laughs> so bad you know i think that the session on the inside of my feet on the instep was definitely top five most painful experiences <laughs> in my life yeah i think you told me that too yeah you no, were going through that arnica uh, oil like there was no tomorrow i was barely i was barely <laughs> getting through it yeah and then at the end i remember i burst into tears and my nose started running and I felt like, I don't know, I was embarrassed, but it was like, it was real as fuck. I, I mean, I was out of my fucking mind in pain. God damn, that was gnarly. But they're beautiful. I show them to people all the time. You know, and when I'm at the, uh, the gym uh, or at the, the steam room or whatever, you know, people comment yeah. on them, you know. I haven't Again, seen them, like, the, seen how they've held up. Well, and it's like my body is covered with figurative work, you yeah. know. And then the only kind of pattern work I have is on my feet. And it's the stuff that you did, you know. And it, so many people are into that. <laughs> and, you know, want their, would are open to getting that style tattooed mm -hmm. on them. You know what I mean? So people, yeah, they'll stop me and be like, whoa, who did your feet? So, <laughs> <You know? laughs> hey, you know. Rebecca. I feel like the with the pattern stuff, though, too, is it taps into, because a lot of it is based off of sacred geometry and, and Which our body more sacred, yeah, geometry. more sacred meditations. And this culture is so hungry for something that 
like rites of passage and something that's more sacred that I think that's part of the reason why people gravitate towards the mandalas and the patterns because it awakens that aspect of themselves that's really hungry to try and find that yeah. that uh, sacred center within their souls or something. I don't know. But also, I, I, I get I, you. I get you. I totally think it, it <clears throat> goes with a certain frame of mind where you're trying to awaken as like a spiritual awakening of some sort. Right? Yeah. But you don't want to put a religion on it. <laughs> and it's not it's not and necessarily it's not conscious. Like, you know, but you just want I want just some i don't know yeah it's i mean you know we kind of laugh about the 80s tribal movement (laughs) tribal tattoos Mm -hmm. but it was rooted in a lot of the like to me similar things where these were sacred symbols to different cultures and they meant things and they were beautiful in their own right you know and to wear them it took on this power this like ancientness Mm -hmm. you know and it turned into you know, what all the <laughs> football player guys wanted gigantic swirling tribal bro, shapes. Bro. <laughs> I did a lot of that. I did know? too. I never minded it. I always drew it right on. I thought it was great. I would always draw it way bigger than what we had talked about. And they'd see it and just be like, whoa, dude. Yeah, let's do this. Totally like inch thick form, tribal. But that spike is tough. You know, like, yeah. No. You know what, too? Tribal had a lot of lessons in it, too, because he had to mow the lawn for hours and pack the fuck out of that black and also make sure that their blood or plasma wasn't watering down the black. And it's just, you know, people oh, like, oh, tribal, a, it's so easy. Like, actually, science to well, that. <laughs> that, that'll you teach know, you some good stuff right there. Tech talk when you're, <laughs> when you're packing black. What kind of needle configuration do you prefer? I Man, I usually use a nine. That's mag. always my go-to. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's just what I'm most comfortable with. Yeah. I don't think we've ever talked about this before in particular. Yeah, I don't think I'm so. the same way. I use a nine as well. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It just feels right. Like a seven is too small for me, I think. And then a nine is just right. Because then when you go bigger, you get to get more into the, and this is just how I feel, more into the needles that are, or the configurations that are good for gray shade and whipping stuff out like i'll use a 13 for my gray shade for the background and stuff but nines is always for packing yeah no that's funny because that's what i was taught by nala yeah nala and was and is an incredible black work tattoo artist He, he had a personal black work style all of his own that a lot of people got back then and we he used to talk to me about it you know and he was just like it's a, it's like a tightness of the skin versus penetration kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if you can get the skin tight enough, you can probably pack with a 13 or a 15. Mm-hmm. You know, But for most people and most of the body and most tattooers, a 9 is going to give you a really nice uh, amount of ink getting f- thrown into the skin without it being inefficient. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that that's something. I, I wonder if young people are just using huge mags to do. Yeah, black I don't work. know. But again, I guess it's technical skill too. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've seen plenty of uh, single needle tattoos that <laughs> just had incredible range and shading and dark black in certain spots. You know, I guess it depends on on what you're doing. Yeah, and you can do that with the saturated dot work too. Yeah. I mean, my hands—they right. look black, but it's that's just 
dot work. Yeah. So. Do you feel like part of, uh, you know, you getting tattooed, like you're saying, it awakens thing. Did it did it coincide with uh, a spiritual awakening within yourself? Is oh, for that sure. Developed and deepened as the yeah. manifestation of the tattoos, especially the bodysuit. Yeah, yeah, it's been a that, heavy experience for you in that way. Yeah, because that one going into it was already going to be a spiritual, like spiritually based sure. tattoo. Okay. So then actually okay. getting it each session it's like a religious experience yeah it opened up other things like doorways within myself and it was always Uh super heavy getting that particular piece worked on every other piece yeah you know it it does stuff but that one in particular because i already had that intention exactly was exactly extremely exactly yeah transformative physically and and spiritually right how what what would you consider that path? I mean, are you more along like a Buddhist path or a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim or... Oh. <laughs> really just kind of all of it, like a universalist kind of of, of thing. I know? definitely feel like it's been an amalgamation of things. I mean, when I was in Atlanta, it was more like Thelemic Kabbalah, like more occultist based because I was reading Crowley and That's all right. that you stuff. That's right, saying that, um, right. But then there's always been a lot of more Buddhist undertones. And even though I'm back into doing really intense uh, runic and Norse work, Mm. I still keep it hand in hand with uh, Buddhist teachings because I meditate every day and do yoga and all that stuff. And I think that's a good thing to say, though. I don't think of Buddhism as a religion. It can be a religion. Mm -hmm. You can turn it into it. And it can be like even the national religion, let's say. (laughs) But to me, it's techniques. It's techniques of getting uh, away from your ego and and deeper into your, into the core of, of, of existence. And I think that as you move into other, uh, uh, realms of, uh, spiritual inquiry, let's say, uh, the test is how it works within the meditative world. Totally. You know, because to me, the meditative thing has shown me a truth. So now I can go out and I can listen to, you know, Minister Louis Farrakhan, Mm -hmm. as controversial as he may be, there are sparks of incredible understanding in in those words sometimes. Yeah. But still, it has to be through my egoless filter, you know, if it's a deeper truth. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. But I still think that at some point, some Buddhist work is helpful in a, in a deep way. More helpful than any other thing that I've tried personally. For sure. It's helped me out right. exponentially just as a scaffolding to build on. Sure. And even though I do gravitate more towards the Germanic uh, runic work, that's just something that's always been an undercurrent. Um, I still, I still don't... Hmm. I still see a lot of the deities, and this is just with any kind of religion, as all archetypes of the same. It's all the same thing. It's just different symbols to represent the same archetype. I feel like that's what the Freemasons have always been trying to yeah. show. So, just, it all points to the same sun, yeah. so to speak. And I feel like Buddhism really uh, uh, kind of amplifies that or even takes it even further, like you're saying, taking the ego out of it to where it's it kind of once i experienced the egoless state on a vipassana retreat Mm -hmm. when i went back to read my freemason books they're using 
wild ass words and metaphors to describe <laughs> that experience which is beyond words and ideas and thought for right? sure and that's why it's got to be these crazy kind of metaphors and things <laughs> again you know and and i feel like then you look at all the different cultures over human history yeah they're these wild kind of ways to get you to think outside of regular yeah. egocentric life you know and if you can settle down and get past your ego then <laughs> the metaphor makes sense mm-hmm. right yeah it's all symbols and 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 mythology to just stuff to frame it in a way that your brain can understand no matter what culture that you're in but it's all the same kind of Mm-hmm. message sure yeah sure sure well and even like in my case like uh psychedelics were part of that and i think that again what the vipassana showed me was that perhaps in that state on psychedelics that's what mystical experiences in history are about mm-hmm. hallucinations connections with god um, and it made a lot more sense uh, to me in that way. And it also gave me, uh, it, it spurred more interest in psychedelics. Because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, maybe the burning bush was a DMT trip in, in Old Testament, right? Totally. Well, <laughs> see, so that's going to spur my interest in it. Because it's like, I'm actually experiencing things that are ancient, ancient, ancient traditions. They're even kind of the foundations of how I grew up as a Catholic kid. Yeah. They, you would have never thought psychedelics were kind of... <laughs> no. They certainly never but brought that But you think up. back and you're like, oh. I've, I've read plenty of books that point to the fact that the original sacrament, the body and blood of Christ, were psychedelic in some form. Mm-hmm. And you would have a crazy experience. Imagine in a time when you didn't read or write. Yeah. And somebody gave you some mushrooms. <laughs> you had no context. Tea, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, and you're looking at the guy that gave you this, and they're like, you made this? And I'm like, yeah, man, I made that. And you're like, you're the savior. And I'm like, nah, dude, I just made a tea. Like, relax, you know? And maybe that's really what it was kind of, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. What, you know, was the psychedelic thing ever a part of your kind of journey of undoing the ego? No, it never was up until... uh three years ago maybe oh, less than three years ago life. yeah i think that's happening I, more and more these days yeah i think for me personally at that time i wanted to get through a lot of uh rewiring of my own negative narrative or emotional emotional states that i wanted to get through on my own without the assistance of psychedelics or even the escape of psychedelics during that time sure and I think once I felt fortified enough to introduce that kind of teaching from plant medicine yep. into my system, that's when I started to to use mushrooms. Again. Or to so, consult the mushrooms. So smart. But <laughs> I mean, so many people experiment with mushrooms at 12. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? And just under weird circumstances and who knows the goddamn dosage. And, yeah. You know, but I think people are being a bit more intelligent about it. But at a certain point, did you feel like there is something to learn from this? For sure. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well, and again, then your intention's in a good place. Yeah. So I imagine you had, did you have good experiences with it? Did it help at all? Or could you have just kind of not done that and just continued oh, on? Oh, no. Like a, 
I I think it helped. I think it helped exponentially. I felt I felt ah, like exponentially. I, yeah, I feel like with that kind of stuff, especially if you've already fortified yourself with some kind of background, spiritually, emotionally, whatever, just comfortable and and truly honest with yourself as to how you are first. Yeah. And then go into it with no expectations and un- and the understanding that this is you're ingesting another entity with the intention to learn from that entity, maybe about yourself, uh, maybe about whatever it wants to way teach to you. See it as um, an entity that yeah. you're ingesting, and it's going to teach you from within. Yeah, ah, that it's going to it's, it's going to illuminate cool. something. So sure, when I first when I first tripped, <laughs> sure. the set I went to I was in the desert, and it was that some super moon, and stayed up all oh, yeah. night, and. It was just this big thing, but it was so illuminating, and I feel like, uh, with uh, with all those prerequisites or whatever, it helps you. It kind of puts you on the f- the fast track of spirituality even more. Instead of practicing again for however many years, it's like a condensed teaching that slowly unfolds as time goes on you're like oh yeah. I, I heard that came up during that time oh i get it now oh okay yeah i cool. used to always call those aha moments yeah so i'll only afterwards. do it once maybe twice a year yeah no. and mushrooms is your preferred yeah mushrooms they yeah. and I, I hear so many people say that it gives them bubble i don't know bubble guts or whatever but they've never i've never had issues that grows under cow shit right like, yeah <laughs> It's poison. <laughs> That's kind of how it Essentially. works. Essentially. I mean, yeah, I remember it giving me a, a upset stomach sometimes, you know. But then as I would do it more and more, I would have like a, even a candy bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'd break off the pieces of the mushrooms and just stuff them into a Snickers. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know it. Yeah, that's that's the I don't know. Yeah, I, I I did lots and lots and lots of mushrooms over the years. That's cool. And you would would you always do that like away from cities when you would do those kind of uh, voyages? No, I did them once in Boulder. Cool. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. With my partner, and yeah. we just walked around, and it's fun. it's <laughs> that that trip was fun because it was just. I mean, I'm always aware of the absurdity of <laughs> the plays that are going on and just the construct of society in general. Yeah. But man, it was hilarious that day. I was sure. like, this shit is ridiculous. Well, sure. <laughs> I felt walking around San Francisco, <coughs> San Francisco all those years. Oh, God. Tripping. I can't myself, even imagine. With my hood up. Yeah, this just was just in Boulder. Lurching. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about let me just pause for just a sec though yeah all right and we're (coughs) back um i wanted to ask Hmm. you about motorcycles i got into motorcycles myself just a few years ago i guess three years ago and my inspiration was to ride with my father which i've been able to do a few times but i've grown to really love it in just Mm -hmm. the last few years like i can't wait to for warmer weather to come so I can get back out on my scout but I feel like you're someone that's gotten into motorcycles too is yeah that, is that true yeah so yeah I can't wait for the weather to about, warm up uh, your history with motorcycles <laughs> um well it first started when I worked at Harley Davidson wow when did you work at a Harley 
17, 18. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. In Georgia? Somewhere around there. Yeah. Oh, cool. In Roswell, Georgia. Wow. Yep. Worked at the Harley dealership in Roswell, Georgia. Yep. As a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad, though. Yeah. We'd, they'd, uh, they'd go on Monday rides because the shop was closed on Monday, so everybody would go up to not every monday but most mondays go up uh i remember go doing a couple rides up to blood mountain that sounds which like is a up fun in north georgia and, yeah I'm gonna ride to blood mountain. <laughs> <All> no. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going let's go yeah it was fun that's rad all right so that kind of sparked your interest i mean did you ride motorcycles that back started then? it but then um but i never rode especially because there was uh, somebody I was really close to that passed away in a wreck. Yeah, me um, too. So I just stopped. I didn't have That's any scary. interest whatsoever after he died. Yeah. Um, but then... That's probably what kept me from riding for a long yeah. time, Yeah. Also, yeah, the yeah. city of Atlanta, fuck that. <laughs> like, once I lived downtown... I'm the same. Uh-uh. I lived in cities all those years. Now that I'm in Colorado, it's different. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I still... I rode a fixed gear bicycle everywhere. But... Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's just it. Like, I hear you. Yeah. So, was it once you got up here? No. Well, it was only... I was it really wasn't that long ago, probably three. When did I get the BMW? Probably three or four years ago. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah, yeah it wasn't so that long ago. The same time that I got mine. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of revisiting that. It was funny because it was, I had already tattooed at Sturgis a couple times. You what? Tattooed at Sturgis. What the fuck were you tattooing at Sturgis for? <laughs> For fun through Adam. Jesus, how many times? <laughs> oh, did you what do a that? shit show! Not that, not that many. Only oh three times. God. Wow. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Adam pitched it to me too, and I was just like, "Dude, I do not want to be tattooing." It is a shit show, but it's it. It was a lot of fun because camp was uh, right. It was maybe five or six blocks from the main drag, but there was a hill in between, so you couldn't hear all the music and everything and all the chaos. And it was the camp was great because it was just a bunch of old scooter tramps and the tattooers, and we were all just camped out in this backyard, and with all these motorcycles, and it was fucking awesome. And I really miss, I really miss everybody because they, they reminded me of the people that I worked at Harley and kind of that whole family bikers. type feeling. Yeah, no, bikers are family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that last year that I tattooed there, it just, I don't know, something clicked and there were other things going on in my life too where I wanted to reclaim myself in a way and liberate myself in a way because I felt like I had uh, I felt like I had settled for something or, or that something was missing so my sure my solution was to get a bike sure. <laughs> and to kind of to a face that fear of death and b continue to live my life to the fullest because that's what i swore to do after my friend had passed away yeah um and i think at that point it had been 11 10 or 11 years Mm. since he had passed Mm -hmm. so it just it it brought up a lot of 
a lot of things unexpectedly, but that particular rally brought up a lot of things. Um, I think the experience of riding a motorcycle <clears throat> does something. Like, oh, God, yeah. Because you're by yourself. Like, I, I always ride by myself. I very rarely ride with other people. Same. So it's this, uh, I don't know. It's like you're really risking your life around every turn, especially <laughs> in the Rockies, and you're by yourself. Yeah. Like, nobody's sharing that shit, and it just feels so special because of that. You know, it's it's like, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's It's inwardly fulfilling in a way that I didn't know was possible me neither especially getting back into it and i mean the bmw was one thing but when i sold that and then got the triumph it was a total game changer i mean i feel like that 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 riding is a type of meditation that you can't get with many other things because you are constantly on the precipice of death like oh patch sand dead oh patch of ice dead oh car coming from the wrong way or not paying attention dead. like all these yeah. things that yeah. have that or an animal running in front of you anything you're uh, so and you're vulnerable yeah. to the elements you're 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 in it like you are so fully immersed in the reality of the situation that you can't escape it right or you're dead yeah, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, or you're dead. No, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I used to ride the uh, fixed gear uh, bicycles with no brakes in San Francisco. Yeah, that's what right? I did in Atlanta forever. All right. So yep. You were wow. You rode fixed gears too. Yeah. So you know, there's like a. To me, when you're going that fast in traffic, when you're going really fast in traffic on a fixed gear bicycle, you're you can't focus on anything. You have to keep your awareness wide open mm-hmm. so that you don't get hit from either side or from behind or rear end somebody. And it's constantly changing. It's yeah. the nature of traffic. That you know? full periphery There's a attention. Zen. That's a Zen state. Yeah. Where your awareness is totally open. You're, you're egoless. If you're thinking about, oh, you know, anything. <laughs> you can't. You just took out a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, when I got on the motorcycle, it was the same kind mm-hmm. of thing. And to me, mostly about the motorcycle, it was just the speeds. Yeah. Like on the fixed gear bike in the city, you're going 35. You're smoking. You're, you're like, your pedals are moving so fast. It's do or die. You got to be really, really skilled to be able to skid going that mm-hmm. fast. And then you're having to skid um, and having to turn and stuff. Like it gets really hairy. But man, doing, you know... 50 or 60 on the S turns here in the Rockies is exhilarating on a whole other level. Yeah. And then even like going 90 through Wyoming is like fantastic. (laughs) Oh, it's, oh, that's the thing. It's just, I, I get it now that I, I ride, you know, Mm -hmm. why certain friends of mine that get into it and then they're like, Oh, I want to go 120. And then they're like, well, I guess I got to join a motorcycle club and ride with the people who are, the crazies because mm-hmm. i want to go crazy on a motorcycle now, you know <laughs> and you gotta ride in the middle of the night or whatever you know but i get i get why why that happens to certain yeah. folks that are just like oh no this this is uh 90 was nice but uh, 140 <laughs> woo! yeah no I, we're I'm, talking. I'm good in the more zend out safe zone 
Well, relatively safe zone. I'm way more into the V-twin cruising. Yeah. Yeah, 90's good, but I don't need mm-hmm. to go much more. I don't, you know, whatever. I don't need to go anymore. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like we could have gone a little bit faster <laughs> going from well, Ned to Lions that one ride. Oh, sure, sure. That's, but I, I had thing. just gotten the Triumph, though, so. Yeah. No, and I, I ain't trying to kill nobody. Because, again, yeah. I ride by myself for the most part. So I'm trying to, I'm not trying to be crazy, you know. Because I end up, whenever I ride with other people, they're just so much better than me. Yeah. And they just can throw their bike around, and I'm just like, God, the cornering, (laughs) too. Oh, yeah. Some people really got it down. I think after having the Scrambler for, gosh, I think, I don't even think I had it for two weeks, and I did a ride with the dealership. Mm. Holy fuck. (laughs) I had to keep up with those guys, and I was like, oh, my God, new bike. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, and and it, it made me not only trust the bike but trust my capabilities too and just be like no it's okay this is how this thing moves it feels weird but there's also that letting go aspect of like no no this is just what's happening okay yeah just hang on here we go yeah that's rad hang on and hope for the best yeah well do you have any opinion on the i mean i've heard i guess just in the last few years from my uh chopper buddies and stuff that Sometimes their girlfriends get really fucking sick of sitting on the back and then they make the transition to getting their own bike. And I think that's really cool, you know? And I just, I think it's cool that you're one of those people that rides. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I I just got a book about a club called the Coffin Cheaters from the 60s from, I believe, Southern California. Mm -hmm. And you know i think these days most people think that in a motorcycle club it's only men that wear the vest or whatever you know but back then the women did too yeah especially in this crew and the women rode bikes and had sick fucking bikes too that's awesome and that's something i'm encouraged because i see that more and more these days yeah there was like a long time i feel like where it was pretty rare to see a woman on a motorcycle jamming around but more and more and more i'm seeing it yeah always stokes me out you know, it's just like when I see a, a girl ride by on a fixed gear bicycle. Too. <laughs> it stokes me out just as much, I suppose. <laughs> my poor fixie has been replaced. Yeah. Well, I still have it. It's just... I, you know, I, I ride my motorcycle when I can, but I still ride the bicycle every day. Mm-hmm. You know, weather permitting. If I know? was in town, I'd yeah. probably ride it, but be living up in the mountains, it just sits there. Like Yeah, that's true, too. You know? Yeah, because you... How long have you lived up in the mountains? Uh, not that long. We moved yeah. up there in February. But I mean, even when I was living in Lyons, it's so small, you just walk everywhere. Yeah. And you still have to drive to go get groceries because you yeah. got to go to Longmont or something like that. Right. So, but I mean, when I first moved here, I tried to keep riding my fixie and I would ride from where we, li- we were living, like pretty close to hygiene. Hmm all the way down 66 and back roads to get to the bus stop in yeah. Longmont, sure. like Kaufman and 8th or something, and then yeah. take the bus to get Adventures. to Boulder to work. And wow. I would still try, I would try to commute on the fixie because I did that for so fucking long. That's a long ride. But yeah, after a while, I was like, eh, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. No, I get the same way. I remember I, uh, it took me a long time to learn how to ride across Los Angeles, mm. you know, because it was just like... It was just so vast. And I wouldn't I would think, Oh, I'm just gonna ride up to there. That seems not that far and then you're like, 
I'm halfway. I give up. Like, right. wow, <laughs> this is nuts, you know? But then you learn, like, you can bike to the train and then get off the train with your bike yeah. and catch a bus and you figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. That's cool. Well, I think we're pretty good. Um, Sweet. Is there anything else you can think of that uh, you wanted to bring up or anything at all no i came into this uh, with a blank slate yeah that's what's cool about these they're just conversations you know um where can people find you on like instagram uh instagram it's black huntress cool and then is that all just one word yeah and then my website's just missbecky.com and that's m-i-s-s-b-e-k-k-i okay dot com cool cool that's about it cool the well, website's the easiest way <laughs> to get in touch with me because to get in touch with you yeah, yeah. And, and just to you yeah. don't check your dms on instagram not really and i, rarely, I post rarely i'm lucky if i post every two weeks i just if i if it wasn't for getting some business through instagram i wouldn't have it quite honestly well <laughs> but Honestly, I'd yeah. probably be in the same boat. Yeah. You know, it took uh, Joshy at Rebel 8 when I lived in Los Angeles. He literally took my phone from me and was like, I'm putting Instagram <laughs> on your phone. Now you need to use this. Yeah. You know, this is important. And I was like, okay. And fuck, within a month, I was like, how was I pulling this <laughs> off before? Like, yeah. And, and then, you know, since going back to freelance life and whatnot and selling products on different uh avenues for myself like it's it's incredibly important yeah it is like i get scared when i the new networking if it's if it's just gonna go out of just die someday (laughs) but i always tell myself there's just gonna be something else that's gonna come up right behind it Totally. It was just like MySpace, we'll and then it was Facebook, out, and then as how yeah. to navigate and use it. And what was the one Vero? Remember what was that? Oh, I don't was know. Called? There was this weird. It was just like Instagram, and it popped up, and everybody was like, "You need to join," and all this shit. And I just blew it off, and it fucking like collapsed within a month. Like <laughs> I don't even know if it's still around. I don't know. Of course, you wouldn't have heard. No, of it, I didn't even hear of it. No, oh, that's awesome. All right, well, cool. We'll, we'll leave it there. Thanks Sweet. so much. Yeah, uh, thanks, Mike. All right.